Communication. Communication. This old man goes to the doctor and says, My wife and I are having trouble communicating. I think it's her hearing. She seems to be losing it. What can I do? The doctor says, Well, try this test to find out for sure, and then you can come back and tell me. When your wife is in the kitchen doing something, get about 15 feet back from her and ask her a question. If she doesn't respond, move closer. Ask her again and keep asking the question. Keep moving closer until she hears you. Then you can give me the report of how many feet it was. The man goes home, sees his wife preparing supper. He stands 15 feet behind her and he says, what's for dinner, honey? No response. He moves 10 feet behind her. He asks again. No response. Five feet. No answer. Finally, he stands directly behind her. And says, honey, what's for dinner? She says, for the fourth time, I said chicken. (laughs) Uh, We're in part two of our four keeps series. And today we're tackling the topic of keeping communication in our marriage. I want you to listen to these following phrases. Let them sink in. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, so it may benefit those who listen. The right word spoken at the right time is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. Always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Each of these verses are centered on today's topic, communication. The Bible is really a dissertation on speaking and listening. Husbands and wives, think back for a second. Back to when you were dating. When everything, especially communication, just flowed so smoothly. It seemed effortless, didn't it? Those triple-digit phone bills. Those long walks. Closing down restaurants. And then the pastor pronounced you husband and wife. And at that moment, he signed off on the marriage license. And you thought communication would deepen. You still expected those romantic phone calls. The long walks. Closing down the restaurants. But something changed. Something you can't quite put your finger on. Conversation became a little tired and a little predictable. What happened? Maybe you moved from long walks to running short errands. Maybe you moved from closing down restaurants to drive-through windows. Maybe you moved from those long romantic phone conversations to texting. Maybe you exchanged talking about your dreams and desires and plans and, and promises to these one or two word sound bites of doubts and criticism. Maybe, just maybe, your communication, your talking and listening skills aren't quite what they used to be. Maybe we all need this talk today. As I said last week, I'm praying that every relationship in this room will improve as a result of this series. If you have a mind, a couple of ears, and a mouth, you can learn to be a great communicator. It's interesting that great marriages and bad marriages all face this issue of communication. 
But what separates the great ones from the not so great ones is obvious. The great ones have husband and wife teams who work at it, who tackle this thing tenaciously. Those who have sorry marriages for some reason don't work at communication. They, they throw their hands up and they say, you know, this is just the way it is. Last week we found out that marriages that really have it going on are ones that are made up of spouses who maintain this tireless marital work ethic. No area in marriage requires more work than communication. Not one. Next week, we're going to talk about conflict. The week after that, we're going to talk about sex. So goes communication, so goes conflict resolution. So goes communication, so goes your sex life. So goes communication, goes just about every keeps in every marriage. I want to bring back a verse of Scripture I just said a minute ago. Because it gives several communicative options for relationships. It starts out by saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's our first option. I want you to remember the word unwholesome. One summer, our family went to Panama City Beach. We were on a vacation there. And we went to this great seafood buffet called Mako's. It was right on the docks. And uh, before we went up to eat, you go upstairs to eat, before we went there, I went over to the place where the fishing boats had just come in with the catch of the day, and there were fish everywhere. They were cleaning these fresh fish, and I was getting excited about eating. But some of the fish cleanings, probably from the day before, were still laying around. Some were hanging on the planks of the dock. It was nasty. I mean, it was rank. It smelled so foul. In fact, it took away my appetite totally for a while. I had to wait a while before I could go eat. And even when I did eat, I was wondering, what was I eating? I hope this is the fresh fish. I looked up the original meaning for the word unwholesome. It means rotten as in spoiled fish. Hmm. That's what the writer was meaning. Husbands and wives, we can spoil our spouse's spirit with words, unwholesome talk. Sometimes there's no evidence that the brain is connected to the tongue. Have you noticed that? No evidence. Have you ever said something you hadn't thought of yet? You know, it just just kind of comes out. Have you ever been around a couple that just smelled like spoiled fish. You know how it is. They just have gross stuff in their life and they're spewing it. It's rolling off their tongues. They tear apart self-esteem. They put each other down. I'm talking about unwholesome talk like you never, you always, do you realize how fortunate you are to be married to me? Spoiled fish, unwholesome talk. We wield so much power with our tongue. and We don't even realize how much damage we can do with it. Don't spoil another person's spirit. Don't give them rotten fish. There's another option. It says, 
Don't use unwholesome talk, but only what is helpful for building others up. We can either spoil our spouse's spirit or we can build them up through positive communication. I should say to Terry, only what's helpful in building her up. I love you for that. I like that you do that well. No one else does that like you, and I thank you for it. There's nothing like being energized by your spouse. Yeah, a friend, a co-worker, they can say positive things. They can try to encourage you. They can compliment you. But there's nothing like your spouse. We can build our spouse up, and I like the next part, according to their needs. According to their needs. People who are great communicators work at it. They read and learn the situation. They have appropriate responses, appropriate looks and words, appropriate nods for the situation. The verse continues, that it may benefit those who listen. Another translation says that it may give grace to those who listen. In other words, my voice box can be the vehicle for God's blessings. When I communicate words of love to Terry, God can use my vocal cords to communicate his love to her, his understanding of her, his compassion for her, and his encouragement to her. Not to mention the benefit to those who overhear that kind of stuff, like my children, or people in the church, people at work. I guess the question now that begs to be answered is, how? You say, I don't want to spoil my spouse's spirit. I don't want to throw rotten fish at her. I, I know I have rotten fish at him or her, but I want to change. How do I do that? Well, let's take a look at several practical steps. We're going to look at actually six steps that we can take to benefit our spouse. Things that will help us implement a strong working marriage. Now, before I go through these things, I want to give you a word of caution. These are not lightweight Christianity things. It's work. It's going to take some difficult work at it. But as we learned last week, it's worth the work. It's worth it. Listen, I communicate for a living, and I have such a long way to go in this department. If you don't believe that, ask Terry. But I do want to share with you in an open, authentic way some of the struggles I've gone through, maybe even some of the good things Terry and I have done to help in this area. I think Terry and I have pretty good communication. Can we get better? You better believe it. A whole lot better. So here it is. Number one of six. Take an eye fast. In other words, technology breaks. Most of us are so wired in, so hooked up to technology that it can intrude upon our communication or really any kind of relationship. Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, parent, child, student, teacher, employer, employee, friends, whatever. Case in point, I've come home a few times with a cell phone hooked up to me like an IV. Hmm. Now, those may have been important phone calls. I may have known that I was going to get off really soon. But what was the message I was communicating? 
It was this. Terry, Ashley, Joshua, I'm not quite ready for you just yet. This piece of technology is more important right now. Now, as I look back on those phone calls, I have no idea what any of them were about. But I do remember this. I missed those moments of communication because I allowed that technology to set the tone when I walked in the house. It's paradoxical, isn't it? We have all these things to enhance communication. Email, voicemail, smartphones. But these devices, being for communication, actually harm communication sometimes. Maybe we should take a mobile iFast. Don't make a move toward the phone. Well, I've got caller ID. I could just look at that. No, don't. We're not obligated to answer the phone even when we don't want to. Go through an iFast for two or three hours and just spend some time talking with each other. Are we too hooked up, too wired in? We've got to take regular breaks from technology. Number two, create a new time zone. If I'm going to build and benefit, speak grace to my spouse, if I'm going to become a great communicator, I need to respect her time zone. Have you noticed opposites attract? You ever notice how a night owl will hook up to a morning person? Here's what usually plays out. Let's say, for example, the husband's the PM person and the wife is the AM person. Sometimes the husband will try to coerce, even shame his spouse into flying in to his time zone. Come to my time zone. It's where I'm really firing on all cylinders. I'm alert. We know that's not going to work, right? It's not going to work. Here's a possibility. Establish a mutual time zone. The night owl could maybe go to bed a little earlier. The morning person a little bit later. You create your own time zone. You're both alert. You're both geared up. You're ready to communicate. Try doing some time zone work. See where that fits best. The writer of Proverbs hit this one right on the head. Right word spoken at the right time or in the right time zone is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. Wives, would you like your husband to give you silver and gold? He actually can, according to this verse. If you guys will just learn to communicate in the right time zone. Number three, exit busy boulevard. If we're going to build and benefit, we have to pull over and take a pit stop every once in a while. Most of us are over-challenged, over-committed, we're over-stimulated. We are shopping and soccering and recreating and traveling our way into oblivion at such a pace that we're hydroplaning over the most important earthly relationship we have, our relationship with our spouse, and probably other relationships as well. And while we're driving on busy boulevard, the conversation usually goes like this. How was your day? Fine. What's for dinner? I don't know yet. What time is baseball practice? Six. I love you. I love you too. Bye. That's how it goes sometimes. We push the major things, those heartfelt conversations, those spiritual dialogues, we push them off to the shoulder of the road. 
Then one day at our annual moments of introspection, we look in the rearview mirror and see wreck after wreck after wreck. And we wonder why. It's because we're doing life on busy boulevard. Every time we talk about setting priorities and saying no to some things and, and believing that the Bible is clear on this kind of stuff, most of us try to change, but also most of us two weeks later are right back on busy boulevard. We need to fight. We need to be tenacious about our time. We need to exit off busy boulevard and get into a great communication habit. Here's number four. Discover a mutually enjoyable activity. It's probably best for this to revolve around recreation or some kind of downtime. We have to discover mutually desirable activities. Instead of saying, well, we just don't have anything in common anymore. We never talk. It could be tennis. It could be power walking. Could be kickboxing. I always beat Terry in that. <laughs> it could be all kinds of things. I can remember walks we took in northern Illinois, and it's cold there. This would kind of be a normal day in their, their winter. But it made us talk, it made us think about issues, it made us listen. Now, I'm not saying that wives should spend two days in the deer stand. I'm not saying that you should move to Delaware near a fish marina, fishing marina. I'm saying that you should find something that you both mutually enjoy. You say, David, we're just too busy. You know how we've got kids. The kids, the kids. Well, how about this? Try the 216 mindset. 216 mindset. Terry and I have two children. We love them dearly. We would give our lives for them. They are gifts from God. But listen to this math. We're only going to have each child about 216 months from birth until 18 years old. And then they go to college and they're out on their own. Well, 216 months pales to a lifetime. I'm not married to my children. I'm married to Terry. A lot of us have that mixed up, kind of out of whack, out of focus. Children let their needs be known rapidly, right? I skinned my knee. I got cut from the field hockey team. These are emergency situations. We have to help them. We have to love them, pat them on the back, give them some counsel. But we run into trouble when we begin to revolve every single thing in our lives around our children. We neglect our marriage. We neglect our communication. We neglect intimacy and romance. And then one morning we wake up after 216 months and we say, who are you and how did you get in my bed? Take time. Maybe at least twice a month. Go out with your spouse, just the two of you. You need to keep your marriage a top priority. Now sometimes when Terry and I leave to go out on a date, Ashley used to do this. Josh still does it a little bit. They groan. They complain. But let me tell you what it teaches them when we walk out the door. It teaches them that mom and dad have something happening that's very important. 
It's much better to allow your child to whine a little bit than to spend your lifetime in remorse because you neglected the relationship with your spouse. While having the 216 mindset, find a mutually enjoyable activity. All right, here's number five. Practice the sweet 16 or an interview. You'll see what I mean here. Every day when we come home, the question comes up, how did your day go? We can look at each other for 16 minutes, take turns talking and listening, just 16 minutes, the sweet 16. Now at this point, some of the wives are saying, oh, I like that. But the husbands are just not feeling it yet. (laughs) All right, guys, let me put it in our vernacular. Most of us watch sports interviews. We see a TV personality thrust a microphone in an athlete's face and ask him a question. Then they ask several follow-up questions. Husbands, don't think about the sweet 16. Think about an interview. Just interview your spouse. Come home and ask her how her day was. Then ask her a few follow-up questions. And don't just act like you're listening. Kind of dive into her world. Women communicate differently than men. Have you noticed? Have you? Have you noticed? Okay, all right. I was wondering if I was communicating. Okay. (laughs) First, women talk about their feelings, then the facts. Right? Usually, first women talk about feelings, then the facts. But guys, we've got to ask enough questions to get past the feelings and into the facts so we can connect. Identify with what she's saying. Make eye contact. You know, the Bible says that the eyes are the windows to the soul. If you look in there, you may see something. Summarize mentally what's being said. And then give it back to them so she knows that you're connecting. All of those are huge things in communication. Now, wives, you know that guys communicate first with the facts. After you wade through all the facts... You can't eventually get to the feelings. That's just the way it is. Work on those things. Basically, here's a good rule of thumb for any kind of guy-girl dialogue. Always be willing to listen and slow to speak. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Maybe this is a good place to insert some statistics. Did you know that only 7% of communication is done with words. Only 7%. 38% with tone. And 55% with facial expressions or body language. You can give your, sp- your spouse spoiled fish by your looks. By what you do with your body. You know how that goes. The eye roll. The body movement, the, the kind of fidgety things, you know. The look. How about the look? Guys, we know about the look. Listening is key. When we're listening, we actually drive the conversation. The listener does, not the talker. Let's build and benefit each other. Wives, practice the sweet 16. And guys, do an interview. Here's the last one, number six. 
Give a reason-free gift. Or maybe it could be a reason-free note. Now, I'm the worst at this. So, after we talk about it today, somebody keep me on the prayer list, would you? Now, I have on rare occasions seen what good this does. This was years ago, but uh, once when Terry was using the automatic coffee machine, I set the timer on it, and I got up and poured her a cup of coffee and took that upstairs to her for no reason at all. Yay me. I did a good thing there. Okay. Another time I actually bought her favorite candy bar and I left it on the kitchen table. One or two times, well maybe once, I surprised her with flowers on a no reason day. Like I said, I'm terrible at this, but the reason I want to improve is because I know it helps. I've seen the positive communication that it creates. And what about notes? You can write these reason-free notes to communicate volumes. On one of my mission trips uh, to Guatemala, when I got there, I opened my suitcase and I found out that there were little notes in different pieces of my clothing, one for every day, saying little mushy things. Boy, the guys were giving me a hard time during that one. But you know what? They were just jealous because they didn't have their notes. (laughs) Reason-free notes. It's interesting if you go through the Bible and see how many of those God communicates to us. Reason-free gifts. Like, for example, all the notes about grace. No reason. I don't have to pay back your sins. I forgive your sins. The only reason is I love you. Wow. They communicate volumes. Well, I want to close with a little commercial here. You may be thinking that this advice is all good, but what happens when the feelings get frosty? What happens when the conversations become combustible? What happens when tempers flare up? That is such an important subject that we're going to spend an entire message on it next week. So don't miss that one. Conflict resolution. But as for what we've talked about so far, last week and the week before, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, that you can become great communicators. You can do it. So you need to go out there and go into your marriages and keep creativity there. You need to keep good communication there. And with God's help, with His direction, your marriage, your relationships... Your life can be better than ever. Never the same. Let's pray. Lord, you, uh, you're so good at communicating to us. You communicate through your, your written word. You communicate uh, because we have your spirit inside of us if we've asked you to be the leader of our lives and the forgiver of our sins. And, and you communicate spirit to spirit. You communicate through, through other trusted Christian friends that we have. You are a great communicator. We stink at it, God, and you know that. We need your help, especially in our relationships, our marriages. Help us, God, to, 
to learn to say the right things, to have the right attitude, to, to ask for your help in this area of communication. And we will give you the praise and the thanks when things work out, when, when we, we have marriages that are, are firing on all cylinders because you're helping us to be creative, you're helping us to communicate. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.